0: Tonight, what I'm talking about um, happens to be kind of a tricky subject. Um, This sermon series—what was it called again? Um, The new normal. Normal. Um, I think every youth group I've ever been a part of, for ever, um, as a student, as a volunteer, has always, at some point, um, took a dive into a sermon series of whatever it wants to be called: sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The new normal. why God doesn't want you to have fun, or does he? Any of those titles that we know mean, these are a bunch of sermons about sex, drugs, music, culture, whatever it is. And usually we hear the same sermon over and over and over again until we leave high school. And then if we're part of a college group, we'll hear it over and over and over again. And then at some point, you won't hear these sermons really anymore until you're in the sanctuary or whatever, big people church. And um, they're a little different, but... The message is generally the same, and obviously it's because there is um, what I believe is authentic and genuine absolute truth in the Bible, but um, I think that the way that we have gone about it as a church, as a whole, um, is kind of spotty. There's obviously been great um, preachers, real preachers, not just volunteer staff, but real preachers who have tackled these subjects wonderfully, and it's kind of my job right now to bring to you, in particular, the subject of drugs. Um, we've talked about social media, and we've talked about um, homosexuality and sexuality as a whole, um, and tonight we are talking about drugs. Um, just a quick kind of lay down the foundation, um, I wasn't... Fo- um, how do I explain this? I grew up in the church. Um, my, both my parents um, were... at at some points in their lives, regular drug, um, heavy drug, and alcohol users. Um, I don't have a necessarily crazy testimony in regards to seeing that. I never saw, um, you know, like dinner plates fly across the living room or gunshots or anything like that. But I did have a broken family nonetheless. It did still hurt internally. Um, The sad thing is, is that it doesn't affect us hearing that story because it's the common. It's the common. Um, so that's kind of my history is from viewing it. But then as a person, I wasn't just a spectator in this um, subculture. I was a participator as well. Um, I, I have delved into certain drugs, um, mostly pot. Um, didn't really like pot because basically my body couldn't handle it. I always just had a terrible time with it. A lot of my friends really loved it. I would usually freak out and um, cry it was kind of embarrassing actually but that's the truth Um, my stepbrother on the other hand um, loved it and didn't have that reaction and it was kind of weird and on top of growing up in the church it just kind of made me feel weird so from pot i then moved on to painkillers and stuff like that because i had friends um, that had family working in the paramedic kind of line and firefighters and they always seemed to have these random uh, cocktail bags of pills that they'd get from the hospital if they had back pain or whatever, and they knew how to prescribe or whatever, so it was kind of okay that they had them, not really, but looking back on it, not at all. Um, but I would take those, and I actually really enjoyed those. This is kind of weird to talk about at the youth group, but I actually I enjoyed those. Um, they brought me to a place of uh, no anxiety. Generally, I was more relaxed. Um, I was calm. I could think clearer. I could speak clearer, so I thought. Um, I was more relaxed around friends. I wasn't as um, anxious. Um, I've battled anxiety and depression most of my life, since I can remember, since being a little kid. Um, I have always battled um, feelings of loneliness. Um, even, even as just a little like six-year-old boy, I can remember feeling so alone. And that's weird. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. And it wasn't because anything was particularly horrible. It's just, I just had this imbalance my whole life. Um, So these painkillers actually kind of helped. It didn't necessarily um, you know, make me see another world or anything like that, but it just brought me down to a place where I felt like a normal human being. Isn't that what we all want? We want normal. We want to feel relaxed. We want to be brought to a place of consistency, no matter what. Um, From painkillers at the same time, I drank all throughout high school. Um, That was bad, because it runs in my family. Now actually I don't drink, that's by choice. The Lord kind of freed me from that. And that sounds cliche, but it is not cliche. He's freed me from it. I I don't have this need. When I see alcohol in front of me, I don't crave it, but hold back. I, I, I just don't want it anymore. And that's awesome. Um, I know that a lot of you maybe aren't there, and I hope you never have to get to the point where I got to experience that. I hope that you just learn what it really is. I hope that some of you can learn to think about alcohol in a way that is um, objective and not overly legalistic or way too lenient. I um, basically wanted tonight to be a discussion, um, less than a sermon, about what it means to Read the Bible, follow the Bible, love the Lord with all of our heart and soul and strength, and at the same time, have a realistic and logical discussion about certain things in this world. Um, Alcohol is one of those kind of iffy subjects that we won't necessarily break down too much into this, but I just wanted to touch base on it with you guys so that you knew that I have a past. I am not perfect. None of you here are perfect. Not all of you here will use drugs or alcohol in the way that I did. Some of you here already have. Some of you here will. You, you don't know yet, but I know statistically, in a group this size, that's what's going to happen. There's, there's those three categories. Um, so, why are we going through sex, drugs, and rock and roll, or the new normal, or whatever we want to call it? Why? Why as youth groups do we do it? Is it because it's fun? Is it because, sorry, is it because it's the norm, or, or is there a purpose that we fail to explain usually? Sorry. No spit. Um, Is it the new norm? Um, Basically, I think uh, uh, the reason why the church needs to address these is because realistically, in your adult life, sex, um, culture, and music, and the arts, these are things that you are going to have to make decisions on whether you like it or not. And to be lazy, or to sit back and let other people make these decisions for you, or to even let me sit here and pump your brain full of this, and then just believe it like a drone, um, isn't wise. And I would even say to some degrees in some of those areas, it's actually sinful. God's given you brains. He's given me a brain. He's given you a heart. And if you're saved, he's put the Holy spirit in you. He's put himself in you. Um, if, if you're not saved, if, if you don't call Jesus, your Lord, um, that's okay. I want to talk to you too. I would love for you to be saved because I care about you, but, Um, For now, I'm going to address two different audiences right now. I don't know where any of you are at. I hope that all of us are believers, but I know probably either some of us have walked away. I know I have in certain times in my life, usually to do with these subjects, but um, I know some of us haven't given our hearts to the Lord yet. So let's pray real quick. Um, Lord, thank you so much for uh, yourself and who you are, God. Thank you. Um, It is not lame that you are my crutch, and it is not... um, pitiful that you are who I rely on. Um, God, thank you for your love. I pray Lord, just for um, from my mouth to speak your love and my lips to, to spell grace, Lord, and um, to balance what truth is um, and not sacrifice it though, Lord, to not sacrifice um, truth for love or love for truth, God. I pray for your perfection and your will to be done um, through me, a broken vessel, God. Um, thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for the people here Please, Lord, don't let this fall on deaf ears. Please help, Lord. Amen. Okay. Before I start, there's a quick point. The enemy um, really likes to take simple spiritual truths and make them into Christiany cliches. He plays on our cynicism to callous our hearts away from being more childlike. Okay. Right now, as I talk and as I go through the message, you are going to hear things. It sounds crazy. Maybe not audibly, maybe not even um, in a way that you can really imagine, But when I say some of these points, I guarantee you that some of you, because I know I still do when I'm in the sanctuary on Sundays, there's still part of my heart that is susceptible to this. And part of my flesh that actually still struggles with this. When a pastor says a simple truth or a teacher speaks a simple truth, or like earlier, my wife speaks simple truth, part of me wants to harden up and, 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 and downplay it. Um, when I prayed just now, I, I I said, um, I said, Lord, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be ashamed that, that you're my crutch. That's just an example uh, that a lot of times you'll hear as you get older, um, why do you need a crutch? Why, as a Christian, it's just God's just your crutch to lean on. Yeah. Yeah, he is because I'm freaking broken and I am messed up and I'm jacked up and I need the Lord. So I don't want the things I'm going to say to fall on on hard hearts right now. So I'm just warning you and letting you know that that's what the enemy likes to do. It's what our flesh likes to do. Please try not to let that happen and just try to listen to these words. Um, Earlier, I said that God has blessed us with brains. Um, God wants you to use your brain. He wants you to make informed decisions and learn not to let fear masquerade as love or faith. Fear is not love, and fear is not faith. There is a godly fear. There is a fleeing from evil, for sure. There's fearing the Lord, but fear itself is not in love. That's in 1 John. You can look it up. I can't remember the verse. Aaron, you can shout it out if you remember it. But perfect love casts out all fear. Now, fear also is not faith. And what I mean by this is that when we're talking about drugs, when we're talking about sex, when we're talking about certain kinds of music or anything, there's a certain group of people in the church that we like to call legalists or the modern Pharisee or Dylan, me. Um, we like to sometimes think that our fear to, 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 to press deeper into the Lord, to ask what really is the hard question Um, to to find answers. We sometimes like to fall back on fear as a crutch instead of the Lord when we're too scared to dive into things we simply can't comprehend or understand, things that are messy and hard to understand about certain people. Um, God always tells the truth and he never lies. If he had something to hide, he wouldn't have told the truth in the first place. Guys, it's a fallacy to think that God would ever lie to us. If if God wanted to destroy us, he's God, we wouldn't be here right now. If God wanted to lie to us, he could have finished the job long ago. God is not a liar. He's not trying to lie to us. I'm just trying to lay down a groundwork right now. This is simple stuff that you guys already know and understand. But if you think about this as I talk, I promise you it'll really help. God has no skeletons in his closet or secrets to hide. Rather, I think he has a people group following him that are notoriously scared and always avoiding and closing the doors on possible discoveries that could so rock their feeble imaginations of who a holy and powerful God really is. Guys, I think that as a church, as a people group, God has consistently used broken people to make fools of the world. Guys, I am not, um, I'm not anything special. I'm not trying to be hateful towards myself. I I know God loves me. I know he has special gifts for me. That's not what I mean. I just mean that God uses broken people to do amazing work or simply put in another cliche, it's not a cliche. He uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. He uses jacked up, messed up, weird, sniffly, kind of dirty, limping, self-destructive types of people. And he puts himself in there and he loves them into perfection and then draws perfect lines with them. No one in our faith that we look up to that we say, man, I wish I could be more like him is perfect. And none of them ever were. They might be further down the road and a little more sanctified, but they are still so messed up. I promise you. Um, I would wager that behind every hard subject in the Bible or contradiction or theological meat, as the the later Christian might say, or or inconsistencies that some of our friends find um, where they're found in the Bible, there's actually a treasure waiting to be unraveled. Um, a spirit-led rabbit hole to go down, if you will. It's drugs. I'm going to talk about Alice in Wonderland. Um, a spirit-led rab- rabbit hole to go down, if you will, into a wonderland of closer communion with Christ and who God really is. Guys, these subjects that we're talking about are actually really hard. The, the reason you hear the same sermon over and over again is because you have adults coming to you on a night simply out of their love for Christ, speaking to a group of people that's actually really intimidating. High, school's, th- high school still scares me. I dropped out. I couldn't handle it. I was terrible at high school then. I'm terrible at high school now. You guys are awesome, but you're equally as terrifying to me sometimes. I love you all, though. So what I, what I want us to understand is that um, these, these, uh, these sermons, they're hard to illustrate. They're hard to communicate. And because you guys haven't actually been there yet in some of these places, they're hard to believe for you. They're hard to relate to. And for the people that can already relate to them, usually you're so early on in the partying phase, those of you that are partying, you're so early on, you have yet to get burned. You have yet to think horrible things that I've been through. You have yet to feel that. So it's really hard. And then there's some of you that have dove into it, that have already felt it and are now weighed down by guilt or fear. Either A, because that's normal when we sin or B, because you grew up in the church and you have no outlet because you've been perfect your whole life and now you're not. So this is, this, is, this is tricky, guys. This is hard. This is hard stuff to talk about. And, and, and I was a little scared to do it. But so now that we have that groundwork down, I, I want us to move on to what we're really talking about. We're talking about Jesus tonight. We're talking about drugs and what they are, defining them, and how the church should navigate this world in regards to this conflict. It is a conflict. There is an argument. This, this is not necessarily a sermon as much as it is a debate to a silent argument. Um, You'll understand as I go on. First, let's define what a drug is. A medicine or other substance which has a physiological effect when ingested or otherwise introduced to the body. I really wanna highlight that last part. Yes, we know that drugs are ingested, but or otherwise introduced into the body. Please remember this, I'll get there. Um, Let's define what recreation is. Um, Relating to or denoting activity done for enjoyment when one is not working when one is not working. That's recreation. It's playtime. It's fun time. There's parks and recs there. Who, who here watches parks and rec? Is that? Yes. Thank you. OK. This is good. Hallelujah. OK. Um, rec, rec zones, they're places where we hang out, where we have fun, where we do things that we as humans have in common. There might be a basketball hoop. The basketball players will go to the basketball hoop. There might be a volleyball net. Volleyball players will gravitate towards that. There might be a skate park. Skate we will go over there. Like, whatever it is, that's what rec centers are for. Now, let's define what addiction is. The fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. Or activity. A synonym for addiction on Google is dependency. The definition for dependency is a dependent or subordinate, lower than, thing, especially a country, uh, a country or province controlled by another. Now, country or province doesn't really relate, but the, the emphasis here is it's being controlled. Something that's dependent on something is being controlled by whoever um, uh, is above. So, um, for instance, Rachel's pregnant. Um, I'm really hoping that we have our... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just so you know, Rachel is my wife, in case anyone's listening to this and doesn't know. Rachel is my wife. Yes, we have, we have been um, married for almost two years. Um, we have a daughter on the way. Her name is going to be Emily Ray Jones. I'm excited to meet her. She's already beautiful and the best person I have yet to meet. So um, aside from that, though, I'm really hoping her due date is somewhere between December 26th, if it's on Christmas, that's hilarious, if or January 4th. That's what the doctors are saying. They don't know. And I'm really hoping that this baby is b- born before New Year's Eve. Why? Taxes. If it's born on December 31st, I can claim it for this whole year and have a dependent. I can have a dependent, and I won't have to pay as much, and I did a lot of independent contract work that I really don't want to pay as much for. So let's pray for that. Anyways, my point in that is that I'm, I have a dependent on the way. When I married Rachel, um, her parents relinquished her to me, it's Crazy crazy um, she became, uh, technically a dependent. If I'm the only earner, we're both, it's, it's weird, but we have two dependents that are going to be here, whatever. Anyways, I'm not good at math. The fact of the matter is, is that a dependent leans on something larger in some way, shape or form. I'm not saying I'm better than my wife, but you know what I mean? Anyways, um, I'm gonna move on before I wreck this. Um, that's what dependent is. Um, now recreational activities are usually done by free will. And they're usually done with a generally um, good disposition. It's, it's like No one goes like, hey, you want to go to the basketball court and just be angry together? That's weird. You want to go and play basketball together. And usually, doing what you love puts you in a good mood. You know what I mean? And, and, and so the, the difference here, because um, when we're talking about drugs, we have, we have two different kind of stems that we can talk about. We have the recreational drug use. Um, the, I only smoke pot when I'm at parties, or you know, as long as I'm not working that day, or um, I only drink when such and such on a Friday, or, or um, on holidays, or whatever. That's, that's more of the, what the world calls recreation users. right? And then we have addictions. Um, just to raise your hands, again, to just bring it to a more serious note, how many of you know someone who's addicted, who you would call addicted to drugs or alcohol? Holy crap. OK. That's sad. I don't care how you spin it. That's sad. It sucks and it shouldn't be happening. But the fact of the matter is it is happening. So because it is happening, we have to talk about it. Um, an addict, I, I have been addicted to certain things. Um, I was never, again, like I said, I was never like the, the true stoner. I was more of the kid who'd freak out and run away and like not do good things. Um, now, but when I was heavy into drinking, um, I was, um, I was borderline alcoholic and it was bad and and I'm not saying that in a light way it's just honestly it's scary sometimes to admit but the way an addict's brain works a lot of the time is it's it becomes sociopathic to a degree It, it dehumanizes for the sake of an object it puts down everything else to grab hold of the one thing that he or she or it needs right so that that's really that that's what it That's what addiction does, is it it draws you to one thing at the cost of everything else. Um, Let's use these definitions outside of the party subculture. Um, Rock climbers, surfers, musicians, dancers, whatever your hobby is, everyone has at least one hobby. Um, You meet at places dedicated to these activities with other like-minded individuals to talk about, do, or be around this particular activity, like we were talking about earlier at rec centers. Eventually, if enjoyed enough, this becomes a lifestyle. Okay, so, so like we talked about with basketball, volleyball, whatever. For instance, I like to surf. Surfing's awesome. Surfing's really fun. I hang out with a lot of surfers because of it. Why? I didn't choose that. I met some of them at the water. I met some people at church who also saw that I had a terrible wetsuit line one day, and were like, hey, you should come <laughs> surf with us. I was like, okay. And now, all of a sudden, most of my friends are surfers. Why? Because it's my lifestyle it's part of who I am I go out and surf therefore I know surfers therefore a lot of the times my clothes reflect that I'm I'm wearing this shirt and vans and whatever and we're part of cultures we are part of cultures and we actually decide what culture we're part of even if we're passive and try to be friendly with everyone you're still part of a culture I, I dare you to find an area in your life where you're not fitting in with someone okay so I want to bring up some of Jesus' words, finally. In Luke twelve thirty four, you can write this down if you want. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. This is just super important to remember right now. We're, we're talking about addiction and drugs. Um, and in these things, I, when you break it down, you'll start realizing that we treasure things. We treasure things that we, that we love. And where our, where our treasure is, our heart is. And I'll just leave it there, but... For, for those of you that know and you're already kind of like, oh man, he's talking about this thing. Look, if, if your treasure's there, that's where your heart is. And eventually it's going to become your lifestyle and eventually it's going to become your God. It's going to become your God. Um, moving on. So here's the question. Are drugs the problem or is addiction the problem? A man can lose his family due to overworking just as easily as he can to hitting a bottle, right? How many of you guys have seen this? How many of you know someone that... Um, Uh, We we already know that someone's addicted. How many of you guys have seen someone that um, really loves to play video games way too much? How many of you guys know someone like that? Okay, how many of you guys know someone who overworks? Not even like an uncle or parents or whoever, they overwork. My my dad, always working. It's like really frustrating sometimes, but he kind of stumbles into that overworking. Can we call that a drug? Can we call that a drug? Can we call things that we can get addicted to drugs? Well, let's go back to the definition of drug. A drug is a medicine or other substance which has a physiological effect when ingested or otherwise introduced to the body. Okay, let's think about this. You can't ingest work, right? You don't like pack work into a a bowl and then smoke it. That's not what happens, right? But you do go to it and you participate. Guys, we have brains, right? How many of you guys know that in your brain, you have receptors, and those receptors, when receiving information or stimuli of any kind, they're going to release pleasure chemicals. When you feel pain, ow, no, don't like that, don't want that, don't want anything to do with that, but when you like something, when you like something, you're drawn to it because your brain registers, yes, this is good because, and then there's a reason. Runners, They get a runner's high. Um, my wife used to do cross country. Before we got married, I really wanted to try to get skinny. Didn't really work. Still rocking the dad bod a little too early. But <laughs> we would go running. And we would go running. And I hated running. And for the first time... I was running and I I could barely run a mile. and I was like wheezing. I was still smoking cigarettes at the time. Oh no. But yeah, so I was, and I was just coughing up my lung. like, ah, I hate this. And we, I walked back home all grumpy. I was like wearing these like flat footed, weird Nike SBs. They weren't real Nikes. They were terrible. Like I couldn't have set myself up for failure any more than I did. And then as months went on, I actually started falling in love with it. When surf would get dead, I I would actually put on shorts and then go run. And and one mile turned to two, turned to three. And then for a while, my wife and I were able to run four mile circuits without stopping in less than like 32 minutes, I think was our record. Like that's huge progress. I, I bought running shoes, I bought running shorts. It started becoming a lifestyle for me. Why? Because as I ran and as I got good at it, my brain started relieving some, releasing endorphins. These are adrenaline chemicals. These are dopamine chemicals that release in our brain and provide pleasure. When we do things we like, God made our brains to like things. God wants you to have fun. He, he said, running exists, this brain, when it feels pleasure, releases chemicals. Guys, marriage is awesome. There are so many benefits to it. God designed our bodies and our minds to feel pleasure. Don't be scared of that. Now, when I say that, I know it gets all tense and weird and scary because I just said, when married, enjoy. But here's the deal. God made us God made us. And when he made us because he's not a liar and because he's good, he made us perfectly. Yeah. Because of sin, because of what we did, we die. Our bodies fall apart. That wasn't how it was supposed to be at first. Childbirth wasn't supposed to be painful. I'm sorry, dear. It wasn't supposed to be. That was, that was part of the fall. God made us to enjoy things, to become addicted to what? That's the question. Okay. So in specific tonight, um, we need to just t- narrow in on drugs, obviously, to, to what we would call street drugs. Um, yeah? Would um, you consider medical uh, marijuana? Yeah. yeah, just about to get there. Thank you. If you do have questions, please ask. That is a great question. So I'm going to narrow on, on street drugs right now. You kind of jumped the gun. I like that. The, the one that's really on everyone's mind is, is marijuana. Um, I don't necessarily have to stand up here and tell you and justify why God doesn't want you to smoke crystal meth. Am I right? Like crystal meth is terrible. Like <laughs> it's made from basically trash. It's like, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's why she married me. I'm hilarious. Anyways, <laughs> um, no, she's just awesome. Um, crystal meth's disgusting. It's just disgusting. You make it from Drano. Like you, when you make meth, your trailer blows up like stuff bad happens. Like, now, 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 then you can you can trickle down and, and start narrowing down other, other drugs. Like, um, let's, for instance, ecstasy. When I was in high school, ecstasy really started taking off. You started seeing the candy kids with the bracelets everywhere, and they're like, plurr, dude, and they start, like, rubbing themselves, and it's, like, really weird. Their uh, pupils are, like, dinner plates, and, like, they can't hold a conversation. They're, like, their hair's 13 different colors. Like, it, it's, like, obviously, we see that they did something weird to them. Like, why would you want to, to act like that? I love them. A lot of them were my friends, but they were weird, and, and I wasn't. Always comfortable, but they were my friends, and and so so we can see the evidence that I don't want to be like that. Now, on the other hand, there are some people who are like, "That's pretty dope. Like, I want to try that." That's a different conversation. Um, now, now aside from that, you start getting other drugs. Now, when I was in high school, um, I might say some words right now that some of you might not understand. Some of you will understand whatever. When I was in high school, um, cocaine really started getting popular, but it wasn't just cocaine, it was cocaine sprinkled onto pot. They called it chewy. They would smoke it. It was like Red Bull and and vodka. It was like um, steroids and a nap. It It was just not right. And you could see that that was bad. So then you get down and you just have pot. You just have pot. Okay. That's the drug that, that really I researched for this sermon. That's the drug that's hard to talk about. That's the drug that is almost impossible to tackle in a perfectly um, loving yet authoritative way. Right? How many of you guys know someone that smokes pot? <laughs> it's incredible. That's literally everyone. Is it, wait, hold on. How many of you know someone who plays chess? Oh. Okay. Sing a few less. How many of you know someone that regularly aspires to be a good reader? Yeah, this is a little weird, okay. There's a little more than I thought. How many of you know someone that actually likes inline blading? Not roller skating, but like inline blading down the beach. Three of us, okay. Here's the deal: when I asked, when I asked how many of you guys know someone who smokes pot, how many people would it raise their hands? Everyone. I'm not gonna ask who here has smoked pot, because that would get way awkward. <laughs> It would, wouldn't it? It would get really awkward. Maybe not for you, for me. Anyways, um, (laughs) marijuana is just straight up a hard thing to talk about. So I'm going to break it into two categories. I'm going to give you scientifically how it works in your brain and why, I'm going to tell you the different strains that are available from medical marijuana research and I'm going to let you know what the Bible says about it. This is kind of hard to do. If you have questions, please raise your hand now. If I can't answer your question, I will research it for you. But I'm going to try to explain this to you the best way possible in what I believe is still the word of God and is still the final authority. But with that, I'm not just going to lay down a legalistic blanket and tell you drugs are bad, okay, and walk away. I'm not going to do that to you. I want you to think. I, and I do believe there is a real answer, but I want you to know why. It's easy to tell you the final product, but I'd rather help you and hold your hand down that road. So so here's, here's what it is getting into it. Um, are all drugs bad? Um, that's really what you have to ask when you're thinking about marijuana. Are all drugs bad? Well, guys, what have we talked about? Our, our brain released chemicals, right? Those chemicals, if, if we could siphon dopamine or whatever, I'm, I'm sure we would use that, there, there are certain drugs, um, things ingested or otherwise introduced to our body that have um, beneficial effects. It, without certain chemicals, my love for my wife would just be logical. I'd be like Spock, like, of course I love you, like, goodbye. Like, that wouldn't it, wouldn't, it wouldn't amount to anything. We need some of these chemicals to live as human beings that God designed us to live by. But um, I, I think that we need to define, um, more so in culture, what drugs are. So we have, obviously, a street drugs. And then beyond that, we have things like what? Like sugar, like caffeine, um, anything. Uh, you, energy drinks are so popular, like Starbucks. Like, how many of you have ever drank Starbucks? All of us, okay. If it feels great, like it's a hot day and you drink something cool and caffeinated, like that puts you on top of the world for like a half hour. And then what happens? What happens once you drink Starbucks and then you don't an hour later? (laughs) You crash, or you get another one. (laughs) But what is that? That's that's slowly becoming an addiction. Like when you're becoming dependent on something, that's an addiction. So I'll ask you this. Aside from marijuana, let's let's talk about this. Is caffeine bad? Free body? It can be. Yeah. Wait, there's like question marks at the end of everything. So wait, listen, think about this. Is is caffeine bad? No. No. So so why 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 can we talk about caffeine objectively and, and, and then what we know an absolute truth about it? So so here's the deal. Um, caffeine is not bad, right? What about if we're always ingesting caffeine and we are mean to people without caffeine? Okay, it's back. I'm just gonna leave that there. So obviously, there are drugs that are um, technically drugs by definition, but are good for you. To the point more with marijuana, this is a tough question. Medicinally, medicinally um, there's been research done. I'll explain to you. So, so this is basically the way marijuana works. There is a male and a female plant. When these plants grow, the male plant, like humans, it then fertilizes, and boom, female plant is now budding. There's two different types of plants that are grown. uh, There's two different types of hemp plants grown. There's one strictly for hemp products, like oils, rope, paper, stuff like that, right? How many of you heard, well, you can make paper out of it? Like, how many of you heard that argument? Okay, that's a different kind of plant. It's fertilized to grow smaller buds. The buds are the things that you actually smoke. So it's fertilized and grown in a way that actually is useless. Useless. Uh, it's <laughs> useless for, for, for getting high. And it's actually just used to just promote more material for us to use. Um, now on the other hand, the plant that is grown um, for the purpose of smoking, um, it produces larger buds. There's two different strains of that. You have indica and you have sativa. I know this is so weird. <laughs> this is super weird to teach you guys. This is like weird. But anyways, there's, you need to know. There's indica and there's sativa. The way medical marijuana research has done this is they found out that indica, um, the strain of pot that actually gives you a body high, it's more of a body high. I'm, again, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but anyone here that has smoked pot at least twice will know that it gives you different feelings. It is not consistent. This is the reason why there's there's two strains and these strains are are like different sides of the families how many of you guys have cousins that's all of us great glad we all raised our hand so cousins they're our family but they're totally different like how many of you have like a weird uncle like their family yeah for sure they're related but they are not really part of you so that's basically indica and sativa um so indica is this body high it's what gives stoner the uh this like look like the couch lock, like I want to eat Cinnabon and sit in a massage chair all day long, like that's what that, it's indica strain. Now, the sativa strain, the sativa strain, this is um, a type of uh, strain that gives you the psychoactive high. This is the Woodstock strain, as I would call it. This is the most famous um, strain of marijuana. This is the, the trippy kind. Now, because of advances in science and our love for substance, we have found ways as a people Um, not us in particular as the church, hopefully, but this world has found ways to amplify these different strains. Now, now why is the question, does sativa act differently than indica? Well, there's two chemicals in marijuana. There's THC, which we're all familiar with. That's the psychoactive ingredient. The other ingredient is CBD. CBD is the ingredient that's found um, a little higher in strains of indica, if I'm not mistaken. I'll re-research this, but I think that's correct. And and the reason why is because CBD actually naturally combats psychoactive um, reactions. So as you're smoking pot, the reason why you have to use fire, you can't like snort and get high. That, that, That won't work. Why? You need heat. You need heat. That's why edibles work. That's why you have to smoke it. You need heat. It activates these ingredients. And when you inhale, it hits something called our ECS, endocannabinoid systems. That's what it is. Our ECS is in charge of what's called a homeostasis. We've hopefully all taken biology. This is high school. We're in our freshman year. Homeostasis um, is, uh, is a natural state of being. It is a healthy point for our body to stay in. When we ingest things, when we go through life, when we have something stressful, when a family member dies, all this stuff comes into play. Life happens. Our homeostasis is going like this. We have different things in our brains, like we were talking about earlier, that release chemicals and respond to chemicals to help balance us out. That is a perfect God making us perfectly. That is a wonderful system to react and respond to the things that life throws at us. So um, because of this, now, these uh, ECS, without marijuana, these are actually what regulate hunger and, and appetite and stuff like that, pain, nausea, memory, so, so instead of just telling you pot makes you not smart and dumb and lazy, uh, it, this is medically the reason why. This is legitimate information. It reacts to your, your ECS reacts to this in a way where it's no longer in control and regulating, but you're trying to regulate it with a drug. It's not designed for that. Chemically, physiologically, we are not built to intake things that then control our brain on a physiological level. I'm not even talking about spiritual. I'm not talking about if it's right in your heart or not. I'm saying on a physiological level, we are not designed for it, period. It's just scientifically. Now, this is where the world combats it. This is why medical marijuana is being pushed for. Scientists, as of late, have been able to do research for incredible studies, honestly. This little girl in Colorado, she was having 300 seizures a week, 300. That's a living hell. That's a living hell. That is terrible. I, I can't think of anything much worse than that for a five-year-old girl to go through. This five-year-old girl, because of this, her parents, who were in Colorado, and we know that in Colorado, it is now legal for recreational and medicinal. Um, her parents took her to local growers, five brothers. They designed a strain of marijuana that, um, remember the CBD is in the indica, which is to what relax you, um, sit you on the couch. They found a way to make psychoactive ingredients way less and um, the CBD ingredient way more to where this five-year-old girl is now ingesting marijuana and she's not having seizures anymore. And if so, they're very um, sporadic at best. Hold the phone. What did I just say? That's kind of weird, right? Like, how do we wrestle with that as Christians? How do we wrestle with that? A little girl who's five years old ingested marijuana. Okay. Now it wasn't psychoactive, she didn't trip out and like watch movies all day long. Like she wasn't listening to Pink Floyd after that, but she wasn't having seizures. So how do I justify that? How do you justify that as a Christian? That's hard. Now, the reason I started by saying that we like to close doors on things sometimes isn't, I don't think God is secretly um, like, hey guys, pot's super chill actually. Like I'm just waiting for you guys to figure this out. That's not, it's not it. That's not it. And we know that's not it. Anyone that says that is doesn't have a legitimate scripture or sociological evidence to stand on. I guarantee it. So, so what is it then? How come as humans, we could design something that God deems, no, God deems no. And how as humans, have we been able to somehow make it into a medicinal use? I don't have all the answers, guys. I know that God has given us as humans, whether fallen and unsaved or We're fallen and now saved he's given us brains he's given us wisdom he's given us intelligence there's people that were atheists that were so much smarter than some of our christian heroes they're still fallen but here's the point i'm trying to make there is no blanket statements we can make for medicinal marijuana i personally i'm not up here advocating it um this might not be popular with some people but i I just truly don't believe it's okay and and logically this is why that the ends um, don't justify the means. That's where I rest on it personally. I can't put this on you. This is why I'm telling you after my research and seeing the little girl who didn't have seizures anymore, but also seeing an entire people group who are promoting giant signs like idiots because they haven't actually done the research and they're actually propagating this little girl's pain so that they can get high whenever they want. I, I, I don't think that the, the research that has been done justifies the end. Yes. Would you think it'd be okay if marijuana the way that they made it from the girl mm-hmm. being utilized? Do you think that's okay? Um I think instead of what, I think um, why is the question you need to ask. Um how close do I get it, um I'll use I'll use the, the previous two weeks as an example when we were talking about sexuality. Um, the question is never how close can I get to the line before I'm in the fire, right? Because what's happening in my body right now? I, I'm very close to the fire, but I'm not burning, right? But the closer I get, it's like it's hot, it's kind of uncomfortable. I can't go really see straight. Like I'm not doing all that, I and mean, it's so nasty when I get home. I have to wash these pants. But, but I still didn't burn, correct? Correct? I didn't burn. So I don't think the question is what, because I don't think God calls us to walk towards temptation. I, I think honestly, the, the answer to that is why. Why are we asking that? What's your heart on it? Yeah, what's my heart on it? I, I would love for a little girl to not have seizures. Correct. All of us don't want a five-year-old girl to have seizures. On the other hand, I can't advocate the legalization of marijuana because I know, as a whole, um, and as a country, <laughs> just it, we can't we can't handle we can't handle too much freedom, guys. We live in the most free time we have ever lived in. You guys, as a generation, me as a generation, we have had more freedom than anyone else in this entire world, ever, and. We're going back into like race wars right now. We're, we're having these crazy social injustices that we call normal, yet we have all this freedom. It correlates, guys. So that's, that's my answer to that is um, I don't think there is a way. And here's why scientifically, I forgot to bring this up. CBD only works well if it's combating a psychoactive ingredient. If you took all the THC out, what you have is just CBD. Now, how many of you at Fraser Farms or other weird kind of hip stores have seen hemp oil? Hemp oil, OK. Mm-hmm. Or uh, essential oils, the new weird pyramid schemes. Sorry if anyone does that. Anyways, um, (laughs) um, these things, if I rub hemp oil all over my body, I'm not going to be like, oh, sick. (laughs) That's not not what's going to happen. Why? Because the CBD isn't actually activating anything in me. At the very most, it'll promote relaxation. But I don't believe I've ever read a study that has actually seen a significant increase in relaxation from drenching yourself in CBD oil. Um, I'm th- th- the same as uh, with like uh, there's a substance called kava like a kava tea and and it promotes relaxation and stuff like that because the chemical releases But look what's really the problem is you, c- you can't have the relaxing factor You can't have the factor that promotes health without having a little bit of THC which is the psychoactive ingredient So my question to you is scripturally where does that fit in well? We know that just a little bit of sin Will ruin someone just a little Okay, now, well you just called THC Sin. You're doing the legalization thing, or the, the uh, legalist thing. Um, well, kind of. I mean, it's not legalistic, but guys, think about it. I, if for just, this is the ends justifying the mean. This is that argument you need to have with yourself. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? If it the little girl's a hard case study. I don't know, but I, I would like to ask, how many people prayed for that little girl? How many people prayed for her? How many people actually asked the Lord to heal her? I don't know the whole story. I don't know that whole story. It was purely um, an article promoting medical marijuana, but it was truth nonetheless. But I don't know how many people went into her life and actually tried all natural first. I don't know how many Western meds she tried. I don't know how many of these other things she tried that we deem as fit or worthy or whatever, but I do know that that's the case. So um, as far as marijuana, medically, I I don't believe it's sustainable on a physiological level um, to have a completely... um, high, free medical marijuana is actually just straight up impossible. You can't just smoke um, CBD. It won't have an effect. And when it did have an effect, I believe it was in brain cancer in one case study, and it kind of helped slow down the blood vessels from uh, growing or expanding. Um, it, it wasn't to much effect. We, we could do more with other things. So that's the answer for medical marijuana. That's really, and that's the biggest issue. And, and what I'd like to leave with you guys with is... Um, I think the church a lot of the time says the same answers to you guys. I remember asking my small group leader, um, Hey, uh, his name's Brock. He's awesome. Brock. Um, uh, how, how close can I get to sleeping with my girlfriend before it's actually like before I'm breaking like God's law? Like that was a question I asked in small group. And, um, he just kind of laughed. And, and I think he laughed because he saw it in himself when he was in high school, but he knew that what I was really asking was, how much can I get away with without, without crossing the line, without burning? And so as the church, a lot of the times for this in particular, we say, well, follow the law of the land. Follow the law of the land. So in regards to drugs or drinking, before you guys are 21, we go, hey, follow the law of the land. That's why. Because drinking's fine or whatever, but we don't really want to talk about it with you guys because we don't want to experiment, but uh, you're not 21 yet, right? So that's what we say to you. Um, Or we say, uh, is it permissible versus beneficial? We use that one a lot. Um, You know, drinking, you can get away with. You can have a beer. You can have a beer and not be drunk. And that's totally fine. How many of you guys have heard that before? Okay, totally true. You can have a beer and not be drunk. Um, You could drink responsibly, so to speak. But the reason why I don't in particular is, number one, I've been saved from it. Praise God. And number two... I now carry the cure for eternal condemnation with me, and I don't want to compromise it by holding a beer. Whoa, well, wait. What if you're at the bar and you meet someone who isn't saved and you can share the gospel? I'm sure it's happened. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. If you're comfortable with that in your own personal life and not just for the sake of argument, um, fine. Go ahead. But for me, I will not go there. I just don't think it's wise or appropriate. I'm a king's son. I am saved by grace. I am a child of God. I don't need it. Yes. Exactly. That's really the final point. When, when we're wrestling with these things, any hard questions, I promise I didn't program this in Princess Head. This is like just good questions. Um, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us, guys. And, and, and a church as a whole needs to listen to the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus Christ's church. The one we're going to see when we die. We answer to God. We don't answer to ourselves or our friends or what even church culture deems appropriate at the time. We answer to God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us as believers. We listen to that. Yes? Um, if you said this when I stepped away, then don't worry about that. Yeah. but I was just wondering um, like from your perspective as someone who has participated in drugs and has yeah. been high before, um, do you consider being high a sin? Why or why not? Yeah, good question. Galatians 5:19 through 21. Um, let me go to it real quick it's in my notes don't worry i'm not making this up i didn't write my own bible i just have it right in front of me because it's so dark um now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness that's a funny word idolatry sorcery hatred contentions jealousies outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions dissensions heresies uh envy murder drunkenness revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice, practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. Getting high wasn't in there, right? Okay, it actually is. Um, This is one of those things I learned. um, This is also a very common church answer, but it is a common church answer because it's legitimate. So let's go down it. Sorcery, I got to sorcery. That word directly translates into a word called pharmakia. Pharmakia is um, the word used most commonly back then for witchcraft. Witchcraft back then was practiced through the use of intaking substances to alter your mind to, um, usually for a profit, try to prophesy or um, gain some kind of foot ahead of someone so that they pay you for being a witch or a uh, witch man. Warlock's a dumb word, I don't like that word, but whatever. (laughs) Anyways, witch man. So that, that is actually, that is why I consider it a sin biblically. I think absolutely it's, it's never condoned to get high. Uh, It says, be filled with the spirit. Don't be drunk on wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what's the fruit of the spirit? Love. So when we're filled with the spirit, we're operating in love. We're close to the Lord and it's good. The question isn't, is it, is it a sin to get high? Does it get me closer to the Lord to get high? Some people say, yes, they're wrong. They are wrong, they are misinformed, and they are justifying. I promise you. The people that have had a spiritual experience when they've smoked pot or have used LSD or any kind of psychoactive thing usually, um, they have had a spiritual experience, but I guarantee you it's not with the God of the Bible or it would have been talking about Jesus. Um, that, that is what the Holy Spirit has come to do. So if you are using a drug and you have a spiritual experience, but that spiritual experience doesn't talk about Christ, it's not a good spiritual experience. It's not good. Period. Um, So yeah, biblically it's a sin and yeah. Just one more follow-up question. Um, So when you were involved with drugs, Mm -hmm. um, were you a Christian at the time? Like, like, did you believe in Jesus? Like, At the time did you consider yourself? Yeah, when I was eight I got saved. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was eight, um, as best I knew how. Um, I saw that my dad got saved after him and my mom split. And um, I realized I wanted what he had, not what my mom had. And and for a while, I held on to anger in that. um, And I didn't really forgive my mom or understand the place that she was coming from. And now I've grown to love her, but um, I saw the fruit of the spirit in my dad's life. So yeah, um, I got saved and I I knew about the Lord. Um, Now at the same time, I was still a church kid kind of, and I didn't really care. I mostly just went to church because I had to. I really just wanted to play Call of Duty with my dad on Sunday mornings and not do anything. Um, I wasn't like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Like honestly, as a Christian still, I think Christians still scared me. I, I was never in church consistently enough to actually make friends. So yeah, I would consider myself a Christian just because I can look back on my life and see the times the Lord has shown himself to me and, and led me away from just terrible things. But um, when I used those drugs, yes, I was um, still a Christian. I, I, you can't lose your salvation, correct? You can't lose your salvation, that's just pure doctrine. Um, you either have it or you don't. Um, I I walked away from the Lord. I was 14 the first time I smoked um, and it was terrible because I didn't know how um, or what I was doing and my friends just got me really high on purpose. Um, it was terrible. Um, it was really bad. But yeah, so no, it's, uh, it's, it's not... Um, I, I was a Christian and I, moving forward from that I, I'm, I'm saved. I'm still saved, guys. Um, the Lord doesn't grade on a curve ever so when you are saved and you've given your heart to christ and you meant it and you know you meant it but you're just feeling guilty guys that guilt is usually a good sign that your heart's in the right place but i don't want you to stay there i don't want you to stay there i don't want you to stay there don't live guilty remember fear is not love and fear is not faith scary um, fear is not love and fear is not faith, right? So don't stay in the guilt. Confess it. First John 1, 9, I believe, says if, if we confess our sins to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive. So if you're there, if you screwed up, if you've been getting high or you've been doing anything, guys, remember, it's not just pot. If anything, if it's anything, if it's too much Netflix or you're sleeping with someone or you're doing something and it's giving you those highs, It's addiction and addiction is wrong. So, um, aside from just pot, aside from just drugs, to sum it up, the Lord wants us to be addicted to him. I've made it clear that we were built for addiction. Um, I think that he designed us physiologically, spiritually, and emotionally to be clinging onto someone not something. And I think that someone in person is Jesus Christ. I think that someone in person is a living and breathing God who really rules and loves and reigns. And he wants you to be in a closer relationship with him. That's the truth. That's the truth. Um, let me just make sure I I didn't miss anything at the end. Um, so how should the church respond walking out of this? Well, guys, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, if you would call yourself backslidden, if you would say I was saved, but I've walked away from the Lord. Um, Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for repentance. Today is the day to grow closer to the Lord. It is possible, you right now, no matter what you've done at all, even if it doesn't relate to this and you just know you're living in guilt, confess it to the Lord in your heart. Confess him as your savior. You're clean, you are cleansed straight up. You're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. You are not unloved, you are perfectly loved. You were died for and risen for, it's all good but just confess it as the church as us here who struggle with legalism like myself, guys, um, this is, this is what was on my heart. And, and then it's, um, and then I'm done. I put, um, I pray that we are not like the Pharisees ready to throw stones at a hurting naked and sinful world. I pray that we are not playing the harlot as well and pretending to be pure and asking for grace for the sake of pleasure. Jesus is, is that mediator and perfect balancer for our lives. He is the lion and the lamb. He is grace and judgment. He is mercy and discipline. He is perfection. Guys, he's come to separate his flock from this world. That's what this message is on. Be separate from this world. Who cares if you can argue your way around smoking a joint and still loving Jesus? I don't care. It's not getting you closer to the Lord, period, the end. That's just it. It's not getting you closer to the Lord. I don't have the answers for if you have cancer and you're hurting. I don't have the answers for if someone you know is suffering and this might help them. I'm sorry. I'll pray with you. I'll talk to you about it. I'll I'll help lead you down that path. But you need to know that the Holy Spirit's working in everyone's life to one main purpose. Convict us of sin and righteousness and lead us to Christ. So don't throw stones at people for sinning. Don't throw stones at people for being sinful. They already know they're sinful. They don't need your guilt thrown on them. I already know I'm a sinner. I, I don't need someone else to huck a stone at my head. I'm, I'm tired of hurting. I, I like redemption. Now, I can't walk around. If, if I see one of you guys doing something dumb out of love for you, I'm going to say, you are not walking with the Lord right now. You can't say you are right now, so please repent. Let's pray together. But that should be done out of love, privately first, and, and, and always trying to grow closer to Jesus, not trying to just stomp on someone. Does anyone have any any more questions? Okay. Um, let's pray. And then uh, Scott, if you want to play one more song. Um, Lord, thank you for uh, this word. Thank you for your love. Um, I pray, Lord, that uh, God, you did not come to condemn this world, but to set us free. Um, So can you please help us? Can we please stop focusing on sin and what we can get away with um, and just focus more on you and learn more on you and dwell more on you and cling to your love and your righteousness, not our own filthy rags, God not our own sins either, Lord, but just to learn to love you for who you are and what you've done for us and let that love infect our hearts in such a way we can actually change this world and watch ourselves get changed in the process. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your convictions. I pray, Lord, against condemnation, against um, any kind of closed off heart, God. I pray that you would open hearts. Um, Lord, um, for anyone here tonight, um, guys, if you are struggling, um, if you have struggled or you are scared or over it or angry, um, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If that's you just in the quietness of your heart, I would encourage you, um, to pray to the Lord. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved period. If you, you, you declare yourself, um, (laughs) uh, uh, unworthy to earn heaven and and you accept jesus as that sacrifice and knowing you don't have to clean up first you don't have to act better or more spiritual or mature to get heaven you don't get heaven you are given heaven um and that opportunity is here right now um all, all of you guys are invited to the kingdom of God, including myself, and, and I have things to repent for. So, Lord, help us in the quietness of our hearts to repent, Lord, to not sing for song's sake, God, but to, um, in the quietness of our hearts, reflect on you, God. Thank you for your love, Jesus, and thank you for your word. Amen.